So, full disclosure, uh, right before Matt started praying, I realized two things. The first thing I realized was that Matt is leading worship because it's the first Sunday of the month. Last week was a fifth Sunday, so it threw me off. And the second thing I realized was that I told all of my kids that there was Kids Connect today. And so maybe they're going to be a little bored today. (laughs) So first and third Sundays, uh, if you, like me, don't know this, we have kids in service with us. And there's a a kid's sermon at the beginning where we, we try to engage kids with, with what we're talking about in the sermon. And so, kids today, raise up your hands. Where are you guys at? Okay. So, today we're talking about, about courage, about, about boldness, about, about being brave because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, I want you to imagine a scenario. Let's say you are standing right here where this music stand is, and I'm standing right here, are you, are you going to be scared? No. What if I'm a giant bear? Probably. Probably you guys would be scared if you were like a couple feet away from a giant bear. Why, why would you be scared of a bear? Levi? Because bears are very dangerous animals, right? And if you're close to it, it could, it could get you. All right, now let's, let's change the game a little bit. Let's say that instead of you just kind of face-to-face with a bear out in the middle of nowhere, like in the woods, let's say you're at the zoo, and there's a bear, like, right over there. Are you going to be scared then? No. Why not? What's different? Evie? People could put a bear in a cage. And at the zoo, are the bears, like, out of their cages, or are they in their cages? in their cages, right? So because you're at the zoo, things are different. The bear's behind a cage. And so you're not scared because, right, you, you, you believe that that cage is enough to keep that bear away from you, right? What we're going to be talking about today is that when we realize who Jesus is and what he's done for us, when we trust in him, when we rely on the Holy Spirit, like we don't need to be afraid, right? Normal circumstances might, might scare us. They might make us nervous. They might give us anxiety. But because of what Christ has done for us, we can trust in him, not, not in ourselves, just like we're putting our trust in that cage. Instead, we can put it in Jesus and, and trust him to keep us safe uh, no matter what it is that we're facing. So kids, I would encourage you to go home and ask your parents what they learned about courage, what they learned about boldness, and how we as his people can, can have more of it because of what he's done for us. And so let's pray and we'll get into our passage this morning. Father, I thank you that, that you are good and that you are in control, and that you care for us as your people, that you, you watch over us, you keep us safe, you, you pour out your love on us, and that even in circumstances where we're, we're not safe, where, where harm might befall us, that you still are good, and you're still in control of us, and ultimately we know that we'll have victory in the end. We pray today that as, as we look at your word together, as we look at, at, at the boldness of, of Peter and John, that you would help us to see that, 
that that's something you supply for them and you supply for us. Just help us to, to respond to your word with, with more trust in you and more love for you and, and, and what you've done for us. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. That's in your name we pray. Amen. So this is, is week three in our gospel culture series. And so uh, last week, Daniel talked about graciousness. And then the first week, we talked about honesty. This morning, as you already know, we're, we're talking about courage. And before we get into it, I want to remind you that, that the goal of this series, right, it's not to give you a, another list of things to do. Right? This is not for us to, to walk away with another checklist. Okay, now, now you know, I have to be honest, and I have to be gracious, and I have to be you know, bold or courageous. That's not the goal. The goal isn't for us to, to leave with a, another law. Instead, the goal is for us as a church to, to dwell in, to, to sit in, to, to bask in the glorious realities of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and to recognize that these things are our intended effects of the gospel. The gospel produces these things in us. We don't need to do anything to generate them. We don't need to kind of muster up these qualities. And so don't leave this morning thinking, I'm telling you, be brave. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that because of what Christ has done for us, we are brave as his followers. Braveness is, courage is produced in us by his spirit. And so we're, we're going to be talking about courage, and we're going to start in Acts chapter 4 this morning. So if you've got a Bible, flip over to Acts 4. If you don't, it'll be on the slides behind me. I'm going to read verses 1 through 22 this morning. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge." For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. 
And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So before we talk about courage, I just want to point out one, one of these verses. And that's verse 12. It says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So this series is, is gospel culture. It's talking about the, the kind of culture, the, the way of life that's produced in us as Jesus' people because of the good news of the gospel. And what this verse makes clear to us is the only way that happens is if we put our trust in Jesus. And so if, if you're here this morning, like before we talk about anything else, I want to make it clear that if you haven't trusted in Jesus, nothing else I'm going to say today applies to you. This is not something you can do without Jesus. And so I would encourage you to spend time this morning figuring that out instead of listening to me. And if you don't know what it means to trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to talk to somebody about that before you leave this morning, because that's, that's the only thing that's going to have any lasting effect on your life. So Peter and John... Like back in Acts 3, they're, they're at the temple, and they're, they're kind of doing their thing, and they're going to worship, and they see this guy, and God uses them to, to heal this man, and this man kind of jumps up because, right, he's, he's, he's happy that he's just been healed. He can, he can walk. He starts jumping around, praising God, so that kind of everybody around them in the temple, they, he, they notice what's taking place. A crowd gathers, and Peter kind of seizes that opportunity to, to preach the gospel and call people to, to faith and repentance in Jesus. And our passage picks up with, with that sermon that he's preaching the gospel. It, it ends up like getting interrupted, right? The priests, the captain of the guard, the Sadducees, they are all like greatly annoyed. They're, they're bothered by this because they were preaching Jesus raised from the dead. So some of their problems, some of their annoyance is, is theological. They're preaching about the resurrection. The Sadducees don't agree with that. But some of their annoyance is just the fact that these guys had a bigger crowd than they did. And so they don't like that. They don't like that these people are kind of working against them. And so they have them arrested. They're put into custody until the next day. And then starting in verse 5, they're, they're before the council. And, and kind of all the, the Jewish religious elite are there. You know, like he names all those names. The, the, the high priestly family is present. Uh, they're there to kind of figure out what's going on. They want to know what, what's happening in their city that they're supposed to run. And so they say, by what power or by what name did you do this? They're asking them, they're saying like, where, where do you get the authority to do what you're doing, right? Where, where do you get kind of your, 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 your motivation, your passion? Like, why, why are you in the temple doing these things? Who is it that's told you to do this? And Peter's going to answer that question. He starts speaking full of the Spirit. He says, if you want to know how this guy's been healed, it's by Jesus' name. And then he reminds them who Jesus is. They're like, he's the guy that you guys killed. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. There's salvation in no one else. It's the, he is the name that's been given under heaven by men, which men must be saved. He's saying like, this, this is how. This is how this has happened. And we see the response in verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. 
And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So the first thing we see here is that they, they perceived, they, 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 they understood that Peter and John were uneducated common men. Again, right, the people that are doing the interrogating here are the, are the elites, right? They're, they're the best of the best. They were, they were from the right families. They were in the right social circles. They went to the right schools. And they knew that, that Peter and John, they weren't part of that crowd, right? They didn't go, they didn't go to the Ivy Leagues of Jerusalem with them, Right? They, they didn't wear the right clothes. They didn't, they didn't talk the right way. They weren't in their social circles. And so they knew these guys were outsiders. And what that meant is it meant that those, those elite leaders, the, the smart guys in the room, they should have been able to, to, to walk circles around them. Right? They should have been able to, to talk all over them with the rhetoric that they knew. They should have been able to win this argument and this debate, but they weren't able to. And they were astonished because of that. Peter and John, they, they spoke with, with a boldness, with a, with a courage, with a conviction that they hadn't experienced. They stood firm. They, they weren't easily swayed from the mission that they had. And this, this courage, this, this boldness, this passion that they had is why they're on trial. This is why the Jewish religious leaders are interrogating them. And, and it, it reminded them of someone and Luke says that they recognized that these men, Peter and John, had been with Jesus. And we need to understand here that when it says they, they recognized that they'd been with Jesus, this doesn't mean that, you know, after they arrested them and they spent the night in jail and then they spent some time interrogating that all of a sudden one of them like visually identified them as followers of Jesus. Right? They already know who these guys are. They've been, they've been spending time with them. Uh, they've been in the city. They, they knew who Jesus was, and they knew who his followers were. When it says that they recognize him, what, what he's saying is that like, that's, that's why, because of how they interacted with them, because of their boldness, because of their courage, that caused them to recognize this connection with Jesus. Listen to this quote. This is from a guy named Daryl Bach, who's a commentator on Luke and Acts. He says, the recognition here is not that they recognize them only now as his followers, but that their association with Jesus explains their ability. This is the answer that they've been looking for. Right? They started this whole inquisition asking, by, by what power, by what authority do you do this? Now they finally figure it out. Right? It's because these guys were with Jesus. They're just living like he called them to live. They're, they're doing the things that they saw Jesus do. They're doing the things that Jesus taught them. They're living like Jesus in the midst of the world. Right? They, they have a culture that causes these guys to be reminded of Jesus. And so after talking amongst themselves... And they say, you know, there's not really anything we can do with these guys because everybody has seen this healing. They have them leave the room. They, they, they come back in and they, they say, you know, just, just go and, and, and don't, don't teach about Jesus anymore. And Peter says, like, I'm, I'm going to listen to God instead of you guys. See you later. And they, they leave. They go back to their friends and, and they report to the church what has taken place. And we see the church's response in, in verse 29 through 31. They, they, they respond by praying. And this is their request. 
And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So Peter and John, they, they have boldness, but before this council, they're told not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. They leave, they go back, they tell the church, the church prays for more boldness and God answers their request and gives it to them. And so I want to I draw a, a few points out of this for us. But, but before we do this, I, I want to make it clear what, what we're talking about when we talk about courage or boldness in the context of gospel culture. And so I don't, I don't just mean kind of like generic courage, as in like you don't scare easily. I'm not saying that because of Jesus, like, you know, we can go to haunted houses and, and not be freaked out. That's not what we're talking about. I'm not saying it's going to help you in the midst of a bear attack. Uh, We're talking specifically about the kind of boldness and courage we see in Acts 4. And if if we were to keep going in Acts, right, we would see it in in Stephen and Philip and Paul and Barnabas and Silas and, and others, right? More people exhibit and respond with this same kind of boldness. Think about it like this. So the, the, the first week of the series, we started talking about, about honesty, right? How, how uh, like that, that's something that, that happens internally because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me, because of my, my status in him, because, because I'm okay in Jesus, it's okay for me to be honest about, about who I really am. About, about how I'm struggling, about how I'm growing, about what's going on in my heart, about my, my hopes and my fears. Because of Jesus, like, I can be honest. And I can be honest not just with myself, but, but with others about myself. Courage kind of builds on that. Right? It builds on our, on our position in Jesus. Knowing who I am in Jesus... And me kind of having that, that honest conversation with myself, right, because I'm in Christ, I can boldly speak truth to other people. Right, about, about who I am, about who they are, about who Jesus is and what he's done, about, about his word. Courage is kind of like others-oriented honesty. Right? It's, it's us boldly speaking truth to other people because we know who we are in Jesus. And last week, Daniel talked about graciousness. That's, that's the means, that's the vehicle for that, you know, others-oriented honesty. Right? We speak truth because we know who we are in Jesus. We speak truth courageously and graciously. So How? How do, how do we do that? How do we, how do we get more boldness? How do we get more courage as his people? How do we like exemplify this trait in the world so that when we're out in Hannibal living our lives, people are like, those people have been with Jesus. Well, there are three key parts of this passage that I think give us that answer. The first is in verse eight. We see this uh, before Peter even starts speaking, Luke tells us something about Peter. He says, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. What that tells us 
is that everything that comes out of Peter after that isn't primarily Peter. Right? And, and the only proof we need of that is to, to go back to the Gospels and look at Peter. Right? Speeches don't go well for him. <laughs> but this one does. Because it's produced by the Holy Spirit. Right? Peter, Peter didn't conjure up this boldness. He didn't muster up his courage. He didn't self-discipline his way to better public speaking. The Holy Spirit had his way with Peter. Second, verse 29, in their prayer, the church responding to Peter and John getting arrested and responding to Peter and John being told, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. They pray. They ask God to to grant to them, to, to graciously allow them to continue to speak his word with boldness, right? The church fully understands what Peter does, that this isn't something they can do themselves, This isn't something they can produce themselves. They can't just decide we're going to go out and we're going to be brave in the face of this opposition. They know that they need God to do for them what they cannot do for themselves. So they ask him to. Third, look at verse 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to Speak the word of God with boldness. The Spirit answers their prayer and and enables them, empowers them, equips them to go out and keep speaking truth with boldness. Now, to me, these, these three things together are really good news. Because I think it it relieves any kind of burden we might put on ourselves. Right? It, it, it protects us from walking away from this passage thinking, man, I need, to, I need to do work. I need to be more disciplined. I need to transform myself and work on myself so I can, I can be more like Peter and John in this passage. So I can be more like the early church. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something I do. It's not something you do. It's not a burden that is on us. The Holy Spirit produces this boldness. Right? And, and I want to be clear that like when, when, we, when we begin to speak, like say like, all right, it's not, it's not my job. It's, not, it's the Holy Spirit's job. Then what happens is we say, okay, then it's, it's my job to make sure I ask the Holy Spirit in the right way so he answers my request. Right? We, just, we just move the goalpost a little bit. But I want to be clear that it's, it's not our job to, to muster up any specific quantity of faith. You know, like if, if I just get to this much, or, or this much, or this much, or this much, then the Holy Spirit will finally answer, and, and the room will shake, and I'll have boldness. It's also not our job to, to muster up a specific quality of faith. As if we think like, oh, like it's not about the amount, but, but I need to get the right kind of faith. Then the Holy Spirit will answer. It's not about the, the quantity of our faith or the quality of our faith. It's about the object of our faith. Right? And Jesus is, is merciful and gracious. It doesn't matter how much faith we have in him or, or how good the faith is we have in him. If we put any faith in him, he responds in grace and mercy and love towards us. 
And so our role, if we want to have this, this culture of boldness as a church, as followers of Jesus, our role is the same as the early church. It's to pray and ask God to, to grant this request to us. And then to realize and recognize that the rest is up to him. Now, I want to give us a little push. Right? I don't want to pray and ask God to, to help me boldly speak truth to other people. And then, like, stay home in my room, not around any other people, and be like, God, why aren't you answering? Right? There, there, we, there, there's, there's stuff for us to do. Daniel read Ephesians 2.10 last week, right? God prepares good works uh, beforehand for us to walk in. Like, he prepares the good works. He empowers us to do the good works. But, but we do the walking. And so pray. Ask God to give you boldness. And then put yourself in places for him to answer that request. Look for opportunities to speak truth. Ask God to, to give you them. Ask God to empower you in them. And then faithfully respond. And, and what happens from there is, is up to him. So let's pray. Let's do this together right now. And then continue in worship this morning. Father, I thank you that you haven't left us on our own to figure things out, but that you've, you've given us a church family, you've given us your word, and that in your word we see example after example of how you, you keep your promises to your people, how you answer their prayers, how you respond to them with, with grace and mercy. And so we pray that you would help us to respond to your word this morning. We pray that like you gave the early church, that you would give us boldness. You would give us courage, not, not because of who we are and, and, and the strength we have, but because of who you are, Jesus, and what you've done for us. Jesus, we thank you that because of you, we can have confidence we can, we can know for certain that our requests are heard. And that you haven't left us alone, but that you have given us your spirit. The same spirit we see empowering Peter and John and the early church in this passage. And so we pray that you would send your spirit to, to enable us because of Jesus. To be honest, to be gracious, and to be courageous. We would speak truth to others because we know who we are in Jesus. And that we would do it with a graciousness that points others to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.